It's going to be another exciting episode. Welcome back. Today's guest truly has something very special. He loves doing things that uh, frighten him. You will hear more about it later in the episode. Let me introduce John Raymond, CEO and Managing Director at Identity, an ASX-listed company operating out of Sydney, Australia. John, great to have you on the podcast. Sumit, hi. Thanks very much for having me along. Perfect. Um, tell me what Identity does and what's your involvement with the company as a CEO and the Managing Director of the company. I've been with Identity for about three and a half years. I joined the founder, Nick Armstrong, just before COVID, actually. Um, and the business exists to solve the problem that sharing personal information or sharing information about payments, in particular in the financial services industry, is really, really difficult. Um, and when you get it wrong, or when you share information in an unstructured or an insecure fashion, um, there are a whole host of problems that exist. Cybercrime is a function of it. Um, when banks miss their compliance obligations, the regulators can find them. Um, there's a range of different things that happen which are, cause a negative impact to society because of the difficult nature involved in collecting and sharing sensitive information. Yes, so true. I heard in, in, in the UK now banks are more responsible for you know, cyber crimes. And Australia is also following the suite. It looks like uh, you know banking banking industry is taking more initiatives to prevent than before. Well, look, I think anybody that's handling sensitive information is taking cybercrime very, very seriously. Um, we've seen in this country and in others, even just this year, instances where you know thousands and in some case millions of personal records of people have been stolen. Um, and misappropriated for for criminal use. I think the the industry or industries at large around the world are taking this now very very seriously. Yeah, no, that's right. It's it's a, it's a hot topic these days, right? So everywhere you hear this, and uh, a lot of vulnerable groups are there in the society, unfortunately, and uh, they lose their you know, whole life savings sometimes. Well, yeah, you lose your you lose your your life savings. You lose your identity. There are a range of there are a range of really horrible things that happen. Um, and you know, let's not forget that a lot of this funds, a lot of this money that flows around, also facilitates financial crime. And there are some really horrible things that happen um, yeah. when money facilitates financial crime: um, money laundering, drug trafficking, you know, human trafficking. There's a range of really bad societal problems that exist because criminals move faster than the industry. Yeah. That's always the case. So, the, and the legal framework always there's a catch up to do, right? So, not easy to uh, to what do you call it? Like confine it or to put them into a structure where you go first and then they come up. No, they go first and then you will pro- probably you know chase behind. Yeah, indeed. I, I, you know, the world is playing catch up, and I think that's always going to be the case because, you know, the industry the, the financial services industry the medical industry you know industry at large they just have a whole lot more rules and regulations to follow than criminals um and like i said criminals can just criminals can just pick up and adopt new technology at the speed of light and i think that's just always going to be the case um so it's not an easy problem to solve and but certainly one that everybody's thinking about at the moment yeah no, i think it's the right industry to be in it sounds like a very interesting business so we can explore more um, you joined the company in a contract role and then decided to stay on. So what made you to stay on? 
I, I, the problem that it's trying to solve is really interesting. Um, and I stayed because of the people in the business. Uh, they're a really great bunch of people. Um, and you know, we're solving a, um, we're solving a really complex problem that has, as I've just discussed, has a range of different societal impacts. Um, so it's a really worthwhile endeavor. Um, and I'm really enjoying the people that I'm working with. Yeah, it's interesting what you said uh, about people. That's probably the glue in an organization. So sometimes people's, you know, money, people think it's money or the, you know, the rewards that you get keep you going, but that's not necessarily, right? So usually the people who are there, so you go for them. So you wake up for the team that is around. That's very uh, different proposition to what people all, you know, initially take. They take as the reward, but it doesn't go a long way unless you have the right team or the right kind of a culture in a business. I do look up if anything, if my 30 plus years of you know, working ever since I left school have taught me anything, it's that a business is nothing more or nothing less than the sum of its people. Um, you know, you can, uh, there are lots of facts. It's not too hard to find data to support that, you know, people stay with people. People make hiring and firing decisions or people make resigning decisions based on who they're working with, not who they're working for in terms of the company. Um, yeah, I look at, for me, a business has always been the sum total of its human parts. Yeah, no, that's totally, I mean, completely agree to what you say. And I believe the same philosophy in my business as well. So that's the glue, that's the conju. And that's give us to keep going as well. Otherwise, you get frustrated. You know, running a business is not easy, as you know. <laughs> there are challenges. and But still, you keep going because of the people, you know, who believe what you believe and share the same vision. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You know, you can it can be you can be climbing the highest mountain. If you're doing it with with great people, then you're a, you know you're a much bigger chance of success. Yeah, that's exactly right. So if you go down memory lane, so you have played many roles in the past, and I'm interested to hear more about some of the more significant roles that uh, you played in the career. So for, from from your memory, like you know, what were the most significant ones? What's the most significant role I have? I, look, I, there are there are been a, my career is a sum total of some wonderful experiences and 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 at the other end of the spectrum some some pretty ordinary experiences. Um, but I've I've just I've always sold things to people. I've always had service roles. Um, my very first ever job was working. Actually, was working in a drive-through bottle shop at a hotel. Um, right. And I I went to university and I I held down a couple of different hospitality jobs. Um, and then I moved into consumer electronics retailing, but I've always, I have always been there to serve the customer. Um, and that's the one thing that's consistent with every single role that I've ever had or every organization that I've worked with is that there is in to some degree or another, um, you know, providing goods or services to customers. Yeah, that's right. So, so how many senior roles that you had, uh, in the last say, 10 years or so, was it like a more short tenor with the, the companies or it's a longer tenor? I've had off the top of my head, I've had the, the two roles in the last 12 years. I've been, um, I spent, uh, nine years with Travelex, a global foreign exchange business, right. um, from about 2010 through, through, for nine years, 2010 through 2018, um, 
I spent all of 2019 away from my professional career. Um, I took a break and supported my wife as she went back to her own very successful professional career um, and looked after our two young daughters while we were living in London, which (laughs) was a a what. A wonderful, wonderful year, and then, um, and then when we moved back to Australia just before COVID, I've been with Identity now for three and a half years. So, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm lucky that I've had a, a relatively stable uh, sort of last twelve to fifteen years. Yeah, no, that's great because these days people don't stay long enough with companies, you know, before they get to the next level. So they, they want things more instantaneously, like to get into the leadership roles fairly quickly, but still, you know, it takes time for you to evolve as a leader. Uh, but the, you know the, how the world is evolving these days. Like people expect things overnight. Yeah, I watch this with my my two young daughters when they when they had the Netflix remote control in their hand and they just sort of flick through pieces <laughs> of um, videos and just to just get to the bits that entertain them. There is, you know, the world's just gone got itself in a real big hurry. Um, and um, you know, I think that that's going to play out really. You know, I I'm not sure whether worry is the right word, but I. You know, I think very deeply about that sort of the notion of instant gratification for my children um, and what it means for them right throughout their lives, not just in front of the TV with Netflix, you know, when we allow them to have device time. But, you know, what does that mean for them in their professional career? You're right. There is, you know, we can already see in our business and and businesses of those that I know that are are run by other people that, um, you know, there is a there is a significant change in the pace at which people expect promotion, upward progression. Um, you know, I think gone are the days, certainly for the, the younger generation of people coming through the workforce, gone are the days where people are willing to put years and years into, uh, into a career to, to climb the ladder, so to speak. There is, a, there is a significant change in the speed at which expectations are met. Yeah, no, that's so true. Like, I remember... I, I had to stay on, uh, I mean, we stayed with, uh, with accounting firms for four years to cover my internship to become a chartered accountant. And now they're reducing that time as well. And you're not getting paid anything while you're doing that. So four years is a long time. They made me look at it now. But at that time, we didn't feel that way. <laughs> so we kept going for four years. And uh, then finally, we saw the right end of the tunnel, finished that uh, internship, and then uh, became a chartered accountant. Now they find different options because now they're allowing people to work and then, of course, reduce that time frame as well. You don't need that many. And some organizations even now go into more mentorship than the internship. So you can just have a mentor to get yourself certified. It's a, it's a, look, it's a challenging problem to solve. Um, but I think, you know, the, the, this is a problem that the entire planet's facing. You know, this isn't, this isn't, this problem isn't picking on industries. It's not picking on countries and we're all in this together. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't think anybody has the answer. I just think you just got to wait. You just got to play out over time and, and see how this impacts itself. And, you know, closer to home, I just makes me want to be a better dad and just make sure that I equip my children with some level of humility um, yeah. to be able to understand that, you know, that's, that, that potentially that, 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 that drive for instant gratification isn't potentially going to serve them well all throughout their lives. Yeah, it's very interesting that you brought that in, that humility. That's what we are now trying to, because that's the natural ability that we should have. But these days, we as companies or we as uh, you know parents, that's the hard one that we push hard 
to teach people. So that should be a natural skill as human beings. <laughs> we spend a lot of money, even in our company, we spend a lot of money to build that, you know, the more human skills, more human uh, interactions than the technicality because technicality, they are way better than us. They When they come to start work with us, they already know lots of advanced uh, softwares or, you know, advanced things happening in the world. But what we see they don't have is that the human level connection, the basics. Did you see that? Did you observe that as well um, in your business uh, career? Yeah, look, I think... Um, yeah. I think obviously there are different. That's how do I answer that question? I think the short answer is yes. It's easy to see that different people at different stages in their lives pick up different things at different speeds. Um, you know, I think that that's I think that's a relatively common thing. I, there are things that at age fifty I'm only just picking up. Um, but look, I think the rate at technology, tech, the rate at a, of adoption of technology. Um, is is certainly really having an impact on that. Yeah, that's so true. So let me uh, take you back to your you know childhood where you, I from my note uh, you say that that's when you first started seeing in the leadership. So your dad and uh, your granddad. Tell me more about your uh, interaction with them and how you exposed to the leadership at the early stage in your life. You know my. Um... My father was a, a naval, a senior naval officer uh, in the Australian Navy, and, and he spent forty-one years in the Navy. And I guess we grew up as a in a military family. His father, before him, was a naval officer in in the Australian Navy, and he died in World War Two. So I've never got the chance to meet my grandfather, but there are many, many stories of of, of him. Um, I guess from a, a leadership perspective, my father was a commanding officer of warships, so. Um, you know, we got to, I, I guess I just got to observe, obviously not observe on board, although I did spend some time at sea on a warship. Um, uh, you know, they used to do father and son's days in the Navy back in the, the 70s. Um, but, you know, this is more about just observing his style with people and, and um, you know, the conversations around the dining room table. Right. So, so I'm sure the you know the leadership um, in military is different to the leadership in business, right? So, what are the clear de- de- demarcations or clear differences that you have uh, you know identified? I don't know that I necessarily agree that there are demarcations of le- leadership style between the military and business. I think, um, actually, if I'm honest, if I've learned anything from my father, is that. Um, a lot of the leadership principles that my father talked to me about apply successfully in business and in the military. Um, yeah. You know, the, the concept the concepts are the same. For me, leadership is about two things. It's about inspiration, um, inspiring people, and it's about motivating people to act. Yeah. Um, and I think those two things transcend everything in life, be it military, business, your personal life or other. Um yeah, so I, I, I guess I those lessons, you know, and I, I, typically you learn the value of the lesson long after you learn the lesson. Um, but you know, those things have those things have been ingrained in me. I mean, I guess I was very fortunate enough for those things to have been ingrained in me from as early as I can remember. Yeah, that's right. So your father 
told you uh, kind of you know tip that he gave you a tip to which you 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 are you are now pledged to use forever what was that interestingly um i can remember <laughs> I, i had my i had my i was in my late 20s i had my i got given my first management job i was working for um i was working for jb hi-fi actually um and i was driving to a, a shop on a monday morning i'd been given a two ic's role there was a sort of a team of 30 people um and i was rather naively just thought i'll just ring dad and and get you know 41 years of leadership experience just distilled in a phone call and i'll just do that at 8:30 on the way to the on the way to work on monday morning everything should be fine and i remember ringing him and saying you know hey dad i i've got this opportunity at at work and you know i'm going to go into a, a management role which is he used to tell me is very different from to a leadership role of, of course um and i said you know what 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 i'm laughing because the the stupid the stupidity of the question i mean it's it's ludicrous to suggest that you know you could distill all that all of that down into a, into a sentence but he did um and I can remember he, I can remember thinking that I was waiting I pulled over on the side of the road waiting for him to sort of give me this 10 step list of things that I yeah. would you know start at 8:30 and have mastered by the time 5:30 was done and I'd be on my way. Yeah. Um but he rather simply just answered me back he said it's easy son you just lead by example. Yeah. And I can remember hanging up the phone being really mad at him. Um that he had he had been so dismissive or of of the the you know this was such an important question for me um and his answer was so simple and it wasn't until look it didn't take me very long to work out that the the genius in what he was telling me um and that was that's 25 years ago that phone call is front of mind for me most weeks and that lesson for me is certainly front of mind in everything that I do in life as a father as a as a leader at work and as you know someone that tries to help and mentor other businesses it's it's front of mind for me all the time yeah, um yeah, you lead you lead by example yeah it's a great advice i think yeah military is very uh, i mean they with whom i know uh, or my sort of seen and what who my listen to they always make that comment as well so they try to live up to and then you know show the set the example for others to follow instead of just commanding rather you set yourself with that uh, you know what 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 is required so that way others can follow and others can learn from it yeah the the, the first example of this that played out for me is one that I'll never forget either and it's you know I I had a um you know walked into a a store that was full of wonderful people um and you know, I just thought the store was a bit messy um and so the first thing i did was just picked up a broom and just started sweeping it myself and i didn't ask anybody to help me i didn't importantly i didn't allocate the job out to anybody or ask anybody else to do it i just did it myself um and i did it several times a day every single day that i was there um it only took about a week um it only took about a week and then it started to spread um you know other people would and I, i can remember the time i first noticed i can remember who it was too i can remember the first time i noticed somebody else had picked up the broom and started to started to sweep the shop floor um 
you know, because we were really, I was really interested. I was really, it was in really, it was really important to me, the, the cleanliness and the appearance of the shop for our customers. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it didn't take, as I said, it took, you know, maybe a week, a bit more for that to bleed through the business. And, and it just showed up in so many, that one simple lesson has just showed up for me thousands and thousands of times throughout my career. Yeah, that's that's so true. I can relate to it as well in my my career. Like when I uh, got into a more of a managerial, more leadership uh, positions here in Australia, uh, usually in the finance department is funny. So they finish at five, sharp five, everyone's gone. Whether the work is finished or not, <laughs> the sharp it's five o'clock gone. So, but I had to wait. So I since I stay back and do work. Over time, the others also started to uh, follow my path. So they would cooperate with me. They want to uh, work with me until we finish the work and go. So it's a culture that, you know, we create one. When you do the example, of course, when you show that uh, you are following it more persistently, consistently, others will fall into it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. That's why why I think, um, you know, leadership is about, I think I said before, leadership is about, um, inspiring people and and motivating them to take action. Um, yes. I, I think I think that's exactly the definition of it. Yeah, I love your quote um, saying that you enjoy making a positive impact on people's lives. It's a very powerful leadership quote. I uh, have ever heard actually. Uh, I kind of know more about it. Like you know what you really mean by this. Um. I think I said earlier on that I, I certainly my style is a collection of the best and worst is the best and worst of my experiences in my my professional career, and I, I guess I kind of I don't know it, I would answer this in a couple of parts. The first thing is I can remember reading Richard Branson's book Losing My Virginity in my early twenties and sorry my mid twenties, and the first time I'd ever read anything that had espoused putting employees or putting people or putting a team at the absolute center of every decision that a business makes. And Richard Branson makes quite a strong, you know, he's, he beats quite a strong drum about that, that his business is this, that look after you. I think what's his famous quote is look after your staff and they will look after your customers for you. Um, yeah. And that just really resonated with me. And I, you know, that, that was a real inspiration for me to read that. And I've, I've tried to do that. Um, throughout my career. And I guess the other part to that answer is that unless you are the lucky flu- the lucky few on this planet that don't have to work, which is a very, very small number, the rest of us have to work. Yes. Um, so if you're going to have to work, you might as well do it working with people that inspire you and that you enjoy working with. Um, and I, you know, I just figure my purpose in life is to is to take on one of those roles and just to create – a really positive and harmonious and inspirational working environment for a group of people that have to go to work. Yeah, no, that's right. That's that's a really good uh, leadership style and a good leadership quality to have. Like, you know, you have to put the team in the center of what you do. That way they, they, they take care of you at the end of the day. So you as a leader, your job is to, so like what I believe is, you know, to make other leaders so that your job's getting easier. And they look after you. Yeah, we look. We're a we're a small team at Identity, um, and we were talking about the other day. We we're talking the other day about our our people function, our our human resources function, and that's me. 
Um, that's a job that I take very seriously. I think it is the most important job in the business is looking after the health and well-being um, of everybody in the business and making sure they have everything they need to be successful, um, making sure they have clarity, direction, purpose, um, and they know what good looks like every day and they know how to show up and be their best version of themselves at work. Um, at, but not just at work as well. You know, I, I recognize, and I guess this is really only a journey for me in the last five or 10 years, is recognizing that the health and well-being of your team is, is just so much more important holistically than just the 40, 50, 60 hours of the week they give your business, they give the business. Um, so really focusing on that sort of whole of, that whole of self experience, um, and you know, happiness and happiness and health and well-being, not just at work, but in your life as well, and taking taking a more a more holistic approach to trying to help people with that, not just in the workplace, but beyond the workplace in their own personal lives as well. Yeah, I think that that again sort of uh, explained your other concept that you really believe that is short term uh, losses for the long term gain, right? You know, sometimes you can push people to get work done today, uh, you know, get them to overwork or whatever. But what happens is that will burn them out. At the end, you will lose. If, yeah. Yeah. So it's basically it's balancing the act. Um, rather look for a more long-term sustainable solution or a sustainable situation for everyone. Yeah, look, I, I like I said, I think we said earlier, the world's gone and got itself in a, in a, in a bloody big hurry. Um, yeah. you know, you don't have to look too far to recognize that, that burnout and stress and, um, you know, it's, a, it, they're significant societal problems. Um, and you know, if we can, if I can make a difference in just the people that work with us and, and, and try and mitigate that or try and help them manage that, that stress and, and the need for burn, you know, and that, that inevitable burnout that we're seeing so many people, um, happen to so many people. Um, then I've gone home and had a good day. <laughs> That's right. Because we are sometimes, you know, going after some arbitrary arbitrary targets or KPIs, trying to achieve them from the egoistic perspective. And then, of course, short term you might have a win, but long term you will lose. Yeah, I, look, I mean, crudely speaking, managing managing people is is is, is no different to how you might manage an engine in a race car. If you stress an engine in a race car, if you if you run it at or above, you know, what it's designed to do, it's going to break. Um, and people are no different. Um, yeah. People are no different. You you have to manage. You have to you have to nurture them. You have to you have to you have to run them at um at an op, you know have to run them at help them run themselves at an optimal pace. Yeah, no, it's a great analogy, actually, <laughs> this car story. Um, now, since you work with global teams and you have worked in the past as well, you know, around the world, so what are the significant adjustments you would expect in leadership uh, when more and more functions are, you know, getting automated and even getting offshore or outsourced as well? So what are the significant changes that the leadership needs to uh, embrace on? I've seen... Offshoring and outsourcing done well. I've seen offshoring and outsourcing done not well. Um, I think if you are going to work, you know, if you if you're going to move parts of your business cross border and work in different countries, 
um, or if you're going to expand into different global markets, um, then you've got to get to know that market. You've got to get to know how people live their lives in those domestic markets. I've been lucky enough to live in live and work in Tokyo. I lived and worked in London. Um, and I spent a significant amount of time traveling to the United States, working in the US as well, um, and, and traveled to a number of different countries around Asia and Europe as well. So so have been very fortunate to work with a range of different cultures. Um, but but spending 18 months living in Tokyo, living in Japan was a, a, a real eye-opener for me and, and my wife and my family. Um, and I think we tried, I tried, we the, as a family, we, we certainly did this together and I as a as a leader in the business, we tried really hard to learn Japanese business principles and learn the Japanese way of life before trying to implement any change in the business. Um, I'd never wanted to be the foreigner that just brought foreign ways of thinking and doing things into a, into another country and just would on, on the blind hope that that would succeed because there are, you know, that that's a, that's a, that you're doomed to failure if, if you do that. Um, so I guess, you know, the, 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 the leadership principles don't change. In fact, I think the leadership principles, um, you really have to double down on the leadership principles, which is, you know, understanding how to inspire and motivate people and understanding how to inspire and motivate people means getting to know who they are and getting to know their culture um, and doing that from the inside out and being really, really wary of trying to bring a foreign influence into a new market. Um, yeah. I've done that. I, I can think of a couple of times in my life where I've done that well. I can think of a couple of times in my life, even recently, where I've done that, where I haven't done that well, and that's 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 failed for me. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I would look. Let me summarize that by saying I think the principles of leadership remain the same, and in fact, I think you just double down on them and you know really get to know the people that you're working with. That's so true. Yeah, of course. And embrace the differences as well, right? So you cannot just go in and uh, do something that uh, without knowing how they operate, you know, how the culture works, how they, you know, what they believe. You cannot just be foreign and always pushing uh, instead of cooperative, flexible, learn, and then you can really run well. Right. Okay. Um, coming back to what I mentioned at the beginning uh, of the podcast about you loving things that uh, um, frighten you. So tell me about your adventurous journey. I know you have done a few things that were really, uh, for me, to be honest, really scary, <laughs> but you have done them and because they, you feel you enjoy uh, doing those type of things that frighten you. Yeah, I... I... <laughs> I guess I enjoy doing things that sort of push me out of my comfort zone um, yeah. and, you know, challenge what I know and believe of my, of my known universe. I've done a range of different things that um, have really frightened me at the time. I've, I've jumped out of a plane. I've, um, I've, I've stepped into the boxing ring. I, I think Mike Tyson is famous for saying that um, it's all well and good to have a plan until you get punched in the face. Um, yeah. He's right. He's right. <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I played um, competitive sport. I really enjoyed playing team sport. I've, look, I've, I've, um, I've 
tried every now and then just to do things that just sort of take me out of my comfort zone. I think one of my favorite quotes in life is that, if, look, if you're not living life on the edge, you're taking up too much space. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. That's really good. I'd love to hear more about the boxing. What happened in the boxing, you know, in the, in the boxing ring? Uh, look, I, I, I joined, I did one of those um, white collar boxing matches. It's, um, you know, you, you sign up for a 12 week program, you, you get joined in a boxing gym by a whole host of people that have, that aren't um, amateur or professional boxers um, by trade and you get taught the sport and you, and they replicate a fight night and um, right. you step into the ring for, a, for, for three minute, three, three rounds and you there are boxing judges, and you you wear all the stuff that amateur boxers wear in the Olympics. All of the all the all the guards, and you and you um look, and you, you have a fight. And um, I did that. Um, I did that a number of years ago, and I, I fought against a, a guy from New Zealand. Um, and thankfully, I, I got all the judges' decisions on the night, so it was a good outcome right. for me. But um, um, you know, I, I, look, they're some of my favourite photos um to show anybody that's looking at me, really. Oh, my, I might do that. I love to do that one. <laughs> out of the out of the things that you have done, that's probably the only one I might think of doing. <laughs> it is. It certainly gets you out of your comfort zone. It's looked as, you know, it's it's fun being fit, um, yeah. and it's fun trying something that you wouldn't ordinarily do. Um, yes. 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 That's great. So you've done really well. That's really, really good. Actually, you know, so going out of the comfort zone, of course, you will grow. When you feel uncomfortable, that's only when you grow as a person. Yeah, I would wholeheartedly agree with that. Um, yeah, I mean, we energy is either in two states, in rest or in motion. Um, and, you know, you always want to be in motion. you always got to be moving. Yeah, that's right. So we're slowly coming to the end of the podcast. So I'll ask a couple of uh, you know, quick questions. Uh, one is like uh, the continuous education for leaders to elevate. Do you do anything in particularly to do this other than you know, the things that you know, you're doing to get you out of the comfort zone? Anything from the education space, like are you following any course or are you following any leadership uh, uh, programs or reading books? I think for me, the best way to keep learning is to keep giving back. Um, so there are a number of um, there are a number of other businesses and a number of other people in leadership roles that I have an active interest in helping um, at at all levels and ages. Um, and I think that's for me the greatest way to continue learning. Um, you know, one of my values in life is the sense of is the sense of contribution, contributing to others, um, and you know I do it because there's a great amount, there's a significant sense of satisfaction of seeing other people get up, other people succeed, other people achieve the things that they want to achieve. But but there is a you know in in contribution is the greatest place i think it's the greatest place to learn i can just continue to learn so much about myself um in doing those things and that's that's why that really interests me um i'm not a massive reader um i've just finished actually reading hugh van kylenberg's the resilience project um which i think is a fascinating book um about happiness through gratitude empathy and mindfulness um that's a book that's really resonated with me 
um, I'm really, I've really enjoyed that. That's great. That's fantastic. And um, what's your message for young and upcoming leaders in Australia? What should they do? <laughs> it would be, it, I mean, look, it would be really easy for me to quote that lesson that my father shared with me 25 years yeah. ago, and that is lead by example. Um, I would add work hard to that as well. And I think that's something that my, my father certainly ingrained in us as kids and um, is just, just work hard. Um, it's really easy today to separate yourself from the crowd by doing the things that other people won't do, um, doing the work that others will shy away from. It's really easy to separate yourself out from the crowd by by being the person that says yes, by, by always asking for more, always wanting to do more. Um, you know, just working really, really hard. It's an easy way to separate yourself from the crowd. Um, it's also a wonderful way to learn. And it's a wonderful way to contribute to society as well. And I think there are so many benefits from it. So my 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 the sum total of my experience or my recommendation or my advice for want of a better term would be work hard lead by example and always say yes that's, that's fantastic before we wrap up if our listeners want to get in touch with you how could they do that oh you can find me on linkedin there aren't too many john raymond so i think actually <laughs> i think there might only be one um you can find me on linkedin um i would be happy to make connections with everybody just you know let me know that that's come through the podcast um and my contact details are on linkedin perfect John, thank you very much for your time and uh, the insightful conversation. But again, thank you very much for having me along. It's been really nice talking to you, Simon. Good on you. Thank you.